as we read it. Uh, several weeks ago, we've come through this summer with one of the most in extensive series that I have ever taught, and that was about a taught or preached, going through the book of Romans, taking a little bit different route of ministering, and that is much more scripture reading, not preaching a typical sermon, not taking just a theme or a thought, but just read the scripture and expound in the scripture. Line upon line, precept upon precept. We began in Romans 1, we concluded in Romans 8, and then we condensed Romans 9, 10, 11 all into one. And I'm kind of continuing that style that's a little bit different for me personally, but I, I don't find any fault in it because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And the subject matter that we're dealing with today is a very, uh, uh, I want to say a sensitive subject because there's a lot of different doctrinal positions in the context of healing. I tell you, whether or not you believe in healing or not, um, I will say this, at some time in your life, you were hoping for healing. Because if you've ever been sick, you hope to be well. And, and I understand that there's a difference between a miracle and a healing. Sometimes a healing is miraculous or always miraculous, but sometimes healing can be gradual and to a degree progressive, but sometimes there's also instantaneous miracles that are also labeled as healing. Let me give you an example. In the third chapter of the book of Acts, as the apostle Peter and John journeyed to the temple for prayer, the lame man that was laid at the gate of the temple, when Peter, those famous words, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the hand, immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping on his feet stood and entered into the temple, praising and leaping and worshiping God. It's in Acts 3. Later, when they're referencing that miracle, it is noted as, first of all, a notable miracle, but it is also listed as a miracle of healing. So it is our belief that God desires and has designed his people to receive a covenant that provides healing for us. Now, I've preached it from all different angles, and I've looked at it from all different angles. I don't... I can't cover all of that in one sermon today or lesson or teaching. But what I want you to do is I just want you to just look at the Word. Just look at Just listen. Let the Word of God saturate and get down in your spirit and think about it. And if you have a physical need in your life, in no way do we, uh, you know, am I being condescending towards the medical community? We're very thankful for doctors and medicine, and all of us at one time or another have used them, and we're very grateful, and we trust, we trust God gives them wisdom. We believe that all healing comes from God, and that even medicine extracted from the natural order of the earth in one sense still comes from God. So we praise Him for every good and perfect gift. But we also recognize that God has supernatural means and ability and a power that can go beyond the reach of medicine. It can go beyond the reach of treatment centers. It can go where, uh, you know, rays of, uh, you know, chemotherapy or, or radiation cannot go. It can penetrate. And, and when it penetrates, it is not destructive, but it is always healing and restorative. We believe that Jesus was a healer when he was here on the earth. And that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we said before, we'll say it again, what he did back then, he'll do now if we'll believe. We tie so much to what we believe. It's, it's bound to your belief. If you follow 
the teachings of Jesus, then you'll find that at any time that someone was healed, most of the time he, uh, he connected this to it. If it was a specific situation, he would say, according to your faith. Your faith plays a, a, a big part. Hebrews 11 and 6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. So by faith, Jesus said in Mark 11, by faith, we can move a mountain. We can speak to it and cast it into a sea. Nothing is beyond the scope of God's power. That's what I want to challenge you on today. We live in a natural world. Oftentimes, we think naturally. But I'm telling you, if you're going to receive something from God, you're going to have to think with a spiritual mind. You're going to have to base your faith upon the Word of God. Now, one of the greatest errors, this is my observation, in any of us receiving healing in our lives is we base it upon, oftentimes, the experience of someone else to allow unbelief to enter in and to penetrate. Now, sometimes someone else's testimony is a great thing, and that encourages us. But on the flip side of that, we often look at someone that we believed had faith and they were not healed, and so therefore, we give that as an excuse for why perhaps we're not receiving something. Let me tell you, do not base your situation upon anybody else's situation. This is between you and God, and this is a promise in the Word of God, and you just have to settle that fact in your heart. I can't help what happened with, with aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so. I cannot help that. I'm not going to give an analysis. I'm not going to, I do not attempt to scope into it and say, well, this is my prognosis or my, this is my opinion why this person, no. Whatever happened, happened. This is about you, your need, your situation, and God's ability to supply what you need in your life. Amen. So won't you stand up with me before we begin reading the word of God. We're going to, we'll allow you to be seated as we read because we're reading a lot of different texts today. And then we're going to conclude with one famous text to extract three points from in closing to lead us to pray for one another today. Let's pray and ask God to bless the word. Father, we love you. We're honored to read the word of God today. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that as we listen to the word, as we hear it, that our minds will not be distracted, including my mind. The, uh, any anxiety about afternoon activity or the busyness of the week or what happened this past week. God, for just a moment of time, box us in, Father. Box us, hedge us in, Father, to this moment right here until, until we, uh, Father, we, our affection is upon your word. Our attention is upon the word of God. Father, I'm praying, God, whatever gifts are among us in the context of healing would be stirred up. There are people under the sound of my voice that, God, you have placed the gift of healing in their life. May they be willing to pray and minister and lay their hands on someone in faith. And may we see, Father, the miraculous hand of God in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. And you can be seated today. Thank you so very much. Allow me, if you don't mind, for a moment of time. It's going to take us a little bit of time. Now, Phil has been gracious enough here, Aaron, to put these scripture verses on the screen. And I've chosen this route for you today. I'm going to conclude with one of the famous passages, and you'll understand why I refer to it as famous passage in a few moments. But I'm going to just begin with kind of a, an order of the healing references that are in the scriptures, not in its entirety, of course, but just highlighting a few. I want you to see that the scope 
of the word of God, in the context of God's word, God has always revealed himself as a healer. And we've got to just begin to absorb that. Healing was not new to the ministry of Jesus. He was not the first prophet or the first man anointed of God to minister healing. Certainly it was a quantum leaped forward in ability and power and might. But at the same time, we can trail it even beyond. Now, it is our belief that the Old Testament is broken up into the law and into the prophets and into the Psalms. Jesus himself made that reference when he pointed to the fact that the law, the prophets, and the Psalms pointed towards him. So we're going to begin by just reading some of those passages and just allow your spirit to just absorb. You can read it with me on the screen. I'm just going to read it down here on the page. In Exodus chapter 15, as Israel had just come out of Egyptian bondage, God speaks this through the prophet Moses. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. This is when the waters were poisoned. No one could drink. They were very thirsty in that arid desert climate. And he showed him a tree. God needs to show you a tree today. If you've not seen that tree, you need to see that tree. That tree I stand in the backdrop of, a symbol that represented today, Jesus Christ died on a tree. And if we can trust in the redemptive work of Christ on that cross, then I'm telling you, then we'll receive healing in our life. So he cast that tree into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance. And this was under the Mosaic law. There he proved them, and he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statues, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. This is the famous passage of Scripture where we get the context Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah being our translation of the, of the Hebrew Yahweh, Yahweh God to us, healeth, Rapha, the Lord who heals, Yahweh Rapha, who, the Lord who heals us. And I want you to know him as the healer today. It's not just something that he does, it's something that he is. Come on, he is a healer. Exodus 23 Thou shalt not bow down to their gods. Now instruction about when they go into the promised land. Nor serve them, nor do after their works. But thou shalt utterly overthrow them and break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God. And he shall bless thy bread and thy water. A great time for me to take a drink. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Did you know we believe that by faith we can live beyond the scope and the reach of sickness? God said, I'll take it away from his children Israel. Deuteronomy 7, and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all those that hate thee. So God was dealing specifically with the nation of Israel. He gave him them three promises that were to a degree conditional upon their willingness to obey the law. But God said that if you obey the law, then I'm going to provide a covenant that's going to provide healing for you to walk in. Isn't that a great promise for an ancient Israel? So let's go down in the book or in the prophets. Jeremiah writes, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. And Isaiah 53 is one of the most famous or made known. This is a messianic prophecy as Isaiah is seeing the ministry of the Messiah. He's writing to us the one that would come and bear our griefs. He said in the fourth verse, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 58 says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. I don't know about you. As I age, I want to age in a way that I'm still healthy before God. Come on, somebody. I don't think it's too much for you to say, God, I want my body to be strong until my my last breath that I can serve you. Come on, somebody. Right? And not just wilt away and to be strong because God's health will spring forth speedily. Malachi 4 and 2 is a passage of Scripture that we'll bring into the final passage. We'll make its context known to you. I've referenced it before. I'll remind you of it again. But in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, one of the more... uh, one of, one of the more detailed and, and I guess more available verses of Scripture that, that exhort us in healing is in the Psalms. I've just extracted a few, from them, few of them from us today, actually reading from the 34th Psalm in a moment of time that Jojo read from earlier. Psalm 34 says, O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Psalm 34 and 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Come on, that's a powerful verse of Scripture. No matter what you're going through, God has a way through His sovereign grace and His power to deliver you from it. It's not that we don't have affliction. It doesn't mean that we, have not have, we haven't had trial or that we're not in trial right now. But we, had the, we have the hope that God can deliver us from this. Every time you take medicine, you take medicine in hope that it's going to get you better. Come on, somebody. And the promises of God is that God's going to deliver us out of our, our afflictions. Psalm 41, Psalmist David writing, Blessed is he that considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou shalt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. For the Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Have you ever been sick to the degree that you were languishing on that bed? And here he said, and God will make all his bed in his sickness. In essence, God's going to make you whole in your sickness. Psalm 103, one of my favorite verses of script, or passages of Scripture. For here David captures what I believe is the, is the essence of this covenant. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, not, and forget not all of his benefit. There's a benefit from serving God. There's a benefit from being in the kingdom of God. You and I as American citizens, we enjoy benefits that are provided by just simply being a part of this republic. Amen? And so at the same time, many of you would not, I mean, you go out of your way to make sure whatever is afforded you by being a part of uh, the citizenship of the United States of America, you make sure you're not going to miss it. Well, let me tell you, don't miss what God's provided for you. Don't forget these covenant benefits. God has provided, he's given them to us as promises here in the word of God. What did he, what kind of benefits did he promise? He forgives all of our iniquities. Hallelujah. All of our sins are forgiven in Christ Jesus. There's not a single sin in your life. That's what's awesome about this passage of Scripture. Many of you say, well, God forgave me of some sins, but not all. No, God forgave you of all your sins. Well, the same phrase there 
behind me and in front of me. The same phrase, who forgiveth all thine iniquity, says he heals all thy diseases. What a promise from God. Come on, somebody. Psalm 105 says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, this psalm is really unique because the psalmist is looking back to the night of the Passover. And it seems to be referencing in that moment. Now, you got to think about that. The Israelites had no law at that particular moment. They weren't even declared Israelites or Israel. But they were dwelling there in Egypt, in the land of Goshen, held there in bondage for 400 years without the knowledge of the law, but with the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And they were natural descendants of Abraham. And while there, you have to imagine that there were feeble men and women among them. They were slaves. They had been impoverished to a degree. They were under the weight of Pharaoh's taskmasters when they cried out to God. But the night that God brought them out, the night that he brought them out, the key to bringing them out of Egyptian bondage was was when they slayed the Passover lamb. Remember it? They took the blood of the lamb, and what did they do? They applied it to the doorpost and to the lintel, the side of it, so that when the death angel passed over and came through the land, he would pass over their houses wherever the blood was applied. Amen? But what did they do with the lamb? They took it in their houses, and they cooked it, and they ate it that night. And what it is our belief that as they were eating that lamb, the flesh of the lamb, those feeble limbs, come on somebody, what a powerful moment that must have been when they were in their houses and grandma had been crippled with arthritis and they know they were about to go out, you know, and make this long journey out of Egypt and go into the desert and, and how they're going to carry grandma's crippled limbs and, and, and people struggling with paralysis and all of this infirmity when all of a sudden every man, woman, boy and girl took a bite of the lamb and all of a sudden the power of God crippled limbs straightened up. Come on somebody, arthritic limbs bowed over backs, blind eyes came on. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because the Bible says God brought them out and there wasn't one feeble person among their tribes. I'm looking for the day when the children of God living here right now are trusting the Lord and there's not one feeble one among us. Come on, somebody. We're trusting the Lord in his great grace and his promises. Psalm 107 says he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 118, I love this. Get this down in your spirit right there. Man, it doesn't matter what the doctor's report says. God's got another report. I shall not die. Come on, he could come in and say, you got four weeks to live. But you can say the psalmist said, I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. That's why Isaiah said, whose report are you going to believe? I know the doctors have one report, but God's got another report, a promise to you. You shall not die, but you will live and declare his wonderful works. Psalm 147 is just a promise that God has just kind of attached it. It's beyond even physical healing. Here he says he will heal the broken in heart and he will bind up their wounds. Isn't God so gracious? Some of you have had a broken heart emotionally, relationally, but God can heal you. Come on, somebody. He can. He's a healer. You draw near to him, and that healing virtue will be in your life. And I believe that with my heart today. Proverbs, the wisdom of Solomon, catches this same vein of thought. In Proverbs 3, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's a great place to say amen. 
Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be conceited, proud, or arrogant. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It will be, create a healthy lifestyle for you. Proverbs 4, my son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those who find them, and they are health to all their flesh. I'm telling you, when you read the Word of God and you meditate upon the Word of God and you diligently search the Word of God, I want you to know that it's health to all your flesh. It's medicine to all your flesh. It lifts your countenance. It alleviates anxieties and worries and fears. And it strengthens you in every part of your life. His word doeth good like a medicine. Come on, somebody. It's health to all of our flesh. The mouth, I put this in Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous man is a well of life. Our words have impact. We must speak life. Come on, we have to speak life. You can't walk around speaking death, sickness, disease, depravity, you know, the, 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 the sorrow of your flesh. Speak health. Speak wholeness. Speak wellness. I was sick, but now I'm whole. Come on, somebody. I, I'm trusting the Lord. I, I, I'm going through a crisis right now, an affliction, but I'm trusting God. It's a well of life. Proverbs 16 and 24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and they're health to the bones. So as we learn to speak to one another correctly and we speak the word of God to one another correctly, it's health to all of our flesh and all of our bones strengthens us now we go to the gospels we've covered the 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 threefold division of the old testament and that is the law and we've covered uh the prophets and the psalms and everywhere we find promises i find promises in the word of god that god is a healer he's jehovah rapha now you say well you know that maybe they're not as real to you right now but when you're on your bed of affliction you're looking for something that will lift your countenance and put your faith and your trust in God. Well, you better get that word in you right now. Get it in you right now so that when sickness attempts or when you have found yourself succumbing to sickness, you've got the promise of the word and you know the word and you can speak the word of God in all faith. So now we're going to the gospels and we're going to quickly glean through the gospels and then also in the book of Acts and the epistles as we see the threefold breakdown of the new covenant. In the gospels, just very quickly, you know we could spend the entirety of, uh, well, matter of fact, John said, if we were to write down everything that he said and did while he was here, the world could not contain the books that would be written. So all I've done is just highlighted a few passages where Jesus' ministry, his healing ministry is noted, and I want you to read it with me. In, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria, I wish his fame would go through all Syria today. Come on, somebody. And they brought him unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. And he, come on now, and he healed them. Now, this next verse is a verse that I'm going to allude to when I'm making my brief three points at the conclusion of our scripture reading in just a moment. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Matthew 9 and 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the, among the people. 
What it means to me is, is that there is no sickness or disease beyond the scope of the grace of God. I know that they're discovering new sicknesses every year, but it cannot, as quickly as they discover those sicknesses, it cannot ever move beyond the impact and the outreach of that covenant God made with us through Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Matthew 15, and the great multitudes came to him, having many that were with them, lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and they cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Matthew 21, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that attend church these signs shall follow them that believe you can come to church and unbelieve but if you believe then in my name you're going to cast out devils in my name you're going to speak with new tongues in my name you're going to shake off serpents come on somebody and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt you you're going to lay hands on the sick and what will they do they're going to recover. That's a promise in the Word of God. Luke 4 and 40. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. Luke 6 and 18. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the people, when they knew it, they followed him, and he received them, and he spoke unto them concerning the kingdom of God, and he healed them that had need of healing. He's a gracious Jesus, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not here in the flesh today, but he sent me here as an ambassador. And if he preached healing when he was on the earth, then he preaches healing through us today. You've got to flush out all the unbelief. Religion will strip you of the promises of God, rob you, spoil you of the promises of God. Unbelief through anybody's life will come in and try to keep you bound in sickness and disease. But the gospel contains within it the promise of healing for all who believe if we put our faith in God. In the book of Acts, it says here in the 30th verse of the 4th chapter, it was a prayer that this church is praying, the early church is praying. By stretching forth, they're praying. God, we're praying. Here's our prayer. Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. We need to be praying that same prayer. You say, Pastor, how come we don't see healing like we once did in the Pentecost? Maybe we're not praying in faith. Asking for God to do miraculous things like the apostles were praying here in the fourth chapter. Stretch forth your hand, heal, signs and wonders done in the name of your holy son, Jesus. Acts 5 and 16, there came a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Acts 19 and 12, from the body of the apostle Paul, they took handkerchiefs or aprons. The diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. God can do special miracles. Come on, somebody. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Now, before we read this verse of Scripture, if you're a skeptic here today and you say, well, I don't really believe God will heal the sick or if he can heal the Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe, number one, in Jesus' body resurrected? When he died, he died. He had, he had wounds in his hand. Come on, somebody. He had, he had a spear in his side. Wounds in his feet, brow pierced, back lacerated. But when he came up out of that grave, his body had been made whole. Come on, somebody. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. That word quicken means make alive. God can make alive. Come on now. He can make your body live. Because you believe he's going to raise you from the dead one day? You believe that if, if, uh, if you die before the coming of Christ, at the trumpet sound, you believe that God will raise you, that from that dust, God will bring your body out. 
Well, then God can heal your body today. What would be the, if he can raise you from the dead, come on, let's just look at the law, equation. If he can raise someone from the dead, then surely he can, come on, strengthen your body today, take away that flu or that pneumonia or that sickness if we trust him today. 1 Corinthians 12 says there are, there are gifts, gifts of, 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 the, of healing in the ninth verse by the same Spirit. Ephesians 3, I included this because I just want you to see. The, the Apostle Paul said God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or think. So even beyond your ability to close your eyes and to ponder God's healing power, God can supersede. Everything that you think God can do, God can go beyond what you can even think that he can do. That's what that promise says. James 5 is a familiar one for us, and we're almost through. There's three more, and then we're going to read one closing passage that we're going to extract three points before we pray for one another today. James 5, is any among you afflicted? Let him complain. No, it says let him pray. Is any married? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. That's That's why we do what we do. That's why we anoint with oil, because the Word tells us to do so. Call for the elders of the church. Pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith. Not just prayer, because you can pray in unbelief. But the prayer of faith, here it says, shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they too shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that you may be what? that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 1 Peter 2 and 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. Quoting from Isaiah, he says, by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah said, you are healed. Peter said, you were healed. Isaiah's looking ahead. Peter's looking back. Come on now. Isaiah's anticipating what he would accomplish. Peter's looking back at what he did accomplish. And it unlocked a promise for us. By his stripes we were healed. And lastly, as I started the service today, 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So what I've taken you on a brief journey today, we covered six breakdowns of the scriptures, both three in the Old Testament and three in the New, to remind you that from the beginning, God has revealed himself as a healer. I know there are churches that don't preach healing. I know there are churches and pastors and leaders and teachers that say these gifts passed away, the function of God, God doesn't do miraculous things today that's their belief that's not our belief come on we believe that with God all things are possible to him who will believe we believe in what's called the full gospel the assemblies of God preaches what's called all the gospel we believe that healing is a part of the gospel you cannot read about the life of Jesus without reading about his healing he forgave those who were in sin and he also healed those who were sick come on somebody he cast out devils he performed miracles and our belief is is that as the body of Christ today we continue the ongoing work of Jesus Christ in the earth today now we find ourselves allowing these things to and, and the, uh, the effects of sickness and disease to weigh upon our minds until we look around us and we oftentimes we, see, we don't see what we had hoped to see and then we arrive at conclusions that God is not doing these things any longer. And that is the enemy stealing from us the promise of God. Never base the promise of God upon anybody other's outcome to their situation. 
You cannot, and that's not the intent of God. God gave you the word as a promise. You have to open your heart and believe the word of God. It doesn't matter. See, the psalmist said a thousand can fall at your side. 10,000 can fall at your right hand. But he said it won't come near unto you. That's the promise. You don't base it upon other people's experience. You base it only upon the revealed word of God in your heart and your life that you trust in God to this personal covenant that he gave us as his children. And we're going to read today to conclude our scripture reading a familiar passage of scripture from the life of Jesus concerning healing. Before we begin to conclude and bring this to a moment where we pray for one another at the altar. It's in Mark's gospel. Actually, it's recorded by all three of the synoptic gospels and here in mark's gospel i like his wording i chose it it says in the fifth chapter it's when jesus is en route to the house of jairus now this fifth chapter was filled with the activity jesus had just come from the land of genesariot on the other side of the lake of genesariot or this galilean sea he has cast the devil out of the man that lived in the tombs He's now come back by boat, via boat. And when he came off the shore, or uh, came off the water onto the shore, a man by the name of Jairus, or Jairus, who is a ruler of the synagogue, meets him. His daughter is at the point of death. And he said, I want to ask you if you'll come to my house and heal my daughter. Jesus agrees to go with him. En route is where this story, it's kind of sandwiched into this, in the beginning of the story of Jairus and in the end of the story of Jairus with his daughter. It's sandwiched. Here it says, a certain woman. Did you know you could be that certain person here today? You can be that person that does what this woman did. Look what, had, what was going on in her life. I know you're familiar with this story. She had an issue of blood 12 years. If she had an issue of blood according to the Mosaic law, that meant she was 12 years unclean. That meant that whatever couch she sat on would have to be cleansed because she was unclean, she would make the couch unclean. They would often have to stand away from her because she had a flow of blood, a continual flow of blood. She had gone to the doctors. We're not against doctors at all. We're for doctors. We're thankful for physicians. Even Jesus himself said, the sick have need of a physician. So we value physicians. But the physicians have limitations, but God doesn't have any limitations. Come on, somebody. And she had suffered many things and many physicians. In essence, she had spent all she had. They had tried to the best of their uh, knowledge and what medical science had, had developed at that time. They had tried their best to get her out of this plight, but they were, they were incapable of doing so. And it says here, she was nothing better, but rather grew worse. That's a depressing situation. When you're taking medicine, the doctors tell you you're going to make you better and you don't get better. You're going through the treatment that you're hoping is going to make you better and you don't get better, but rather you grow worse. She's exasperated. She's mentally and physically exasperated. 12 years, and I'm sure the ladies can identify with this far greater than us men folk here today, but 12 years of a continual menstrual flow has left her without physical strength and energy. And she's, not, she's not, certainly nothing bettered, but she's battered emotionally. But I love this, and she heard about Jesus. Now, there's something about hearing about Jesus. The problem is that many in the church have corrupted the ministry of Jesus, and they're preaching a Jesus that's different from the Jesus of the Gospels. When I, if I preach to you, if you're going to hear about the Jesus that I want to tell you about, I'm going to tell you about a Jesus that came revealing the grace and the goodness of God, healing all that came to him in faith. And the same power that he released in those days, he releases in our generation. And she had heard about Jesus. What did she hear? What do you think that she heard about Jesus? 
But she heard that, number one, some were calling him the Messiah. And with her knowing that he was called the Messiah, she was aware of messianic prophecies. We're going to talk about that in just a moment of time. She had also heard about how that people were being healed. He was healing them by his word. He was laying hands on them. He spit into the dirt and made clay. He told a man to go wash who was blind in the pool. And when he did, he would be able to see. He had heard about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus' ministry. She heard that he was being called the Messiah. And so she said this. She said when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind him and she touched his garment. For she said... If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, let's take a moment and talk about that for just a moment of time. Why did she do that? I've shared this in days gone by. I'm going to remind you of it again. Would you throw me right there real quickly, Alyssa, my prayer shawl for just a moment of time? Just so that you'll see. I want you to see this because I'll make a, a point of this in just a second of time. It is the belief of most theologians that Jesus, being a devout Jew, would have wore what's known as a, a, a tallit, which is a, a Hebrew prayer shawl. And, and they would wear it. They wear it even today. Devout Jews uh, wear it wherever they go, They're even under their clothes. If you're, we were on the, with them on the airport or at the airport on the airplane, you look under their clothes. It's because that they would have these tassels that would hang from the bottom of this. And this we know was given to them through the book of Numbers that they were to take this and they were to, they were to, uh, to take tassels and to put them on the hem of their garments as a reminder of the word of God and the covenant promises of God. And in the book of Malachi, when we read in Malachi 4, the passage of Scripture says, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. The prayer shawl, the corners of the garments was called the wings. And so she had heard about Jesus that he was being called the Messiah. The Messiah would be one that would be the son of righteousness that would arise with healing in her wings, in his wings. And she said in her heart that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get a hold of what it says in the word of God, then the promise that was recorded in, in both Isaiah and in Malachi will release healing in my life if I but touch his clothes come on if I and I know many times we come to church and say I want God to touch me but I'm telling you by faith you need to touch God by faith you need to reach out and reach upward and say God I'm trusting in you and so she touched his clothes and when she touched his clothes you know the story that's written here in Mark's gospel he said the scripture says that virtue went out of him and he knew it. He's walking there. The crowd is thronging him. He's going, he's got his mind set. He's going to Jairus' house. He's going to raise up that little girl from her bed of affliction. And in route, all of a sudden, he stops because he discerns that somebody has touched him differently than the whole crowd has touched him. And so he said, who touched me? Well, Peter, the disciples answer and say, you see all this multitude. They're pressing in on you. And yet you're saying, who touched me? He said, but somebody touched me differently. Somebody touched me with an expectation that what was in me would be in them. And when she did, when she heard this, she came forward, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, and she fell down, and she made known to him all the truth. And notice this, 34th verse. She said, Jesus said to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. What a powerful scripture for us today. Let's make a couple closing points before we bring the worship team back and we prepare to pray for you today. 
That moment of time when she reached up and she caught hold of his garment is critical to us today to see what was going on. She had said in her heart, she believed in her heart, and she confessed, in essence, with her mouth, if I but touch him, I'll be made whole. And she based it upon a promise in the word of God. And that's, where I want you, that's what I want you to see. What are you basing your faith on? Are you basing your faith and your belief on a promise from the word of God? Are you basing your faith upon situations that you became aware of that may not align themselves up to the word of God? Let me tell you what I believe about healing. I believe that healing is what's called a finished work. Now, you've heard that phrase many times. But if you've never taken the time to study it out, then you don't understand the full context of what I mean by finished work. It's a finished work. It means that the promise of healing is provided for us in the atonement. What does that mean? That means when Jesus went to the cross, he bore our sins and he carried our diseases. It's a finished work. Why do, we use, why do we use the word finished? Because on the cross of Calvary, sickness came as a result of sin. Not in every individual situation, but Adam's sin. sin sickness evolved from that sin. Death came as a result of sin. And sickness is a prelude to death. And so, but on the cross... What did Jesus say? It is finished. So the passage that I had you read in Matthew 8 and 17, it says that he bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. He took our infirmities, bare our sicknesses, is a quotation from Isaiah. So now Matthew's caught hold of this. The Messiah would bear on the tree the penalty for our sins. And he would also carry on the tree our sicknesses. When they lacerated him 39 times with the cat of nine tails and ripped flesh off of his body, by whose stripes you were healed. Let me ask you this today. Do you believe that the atonement, what the atonement demanded, what the, the need for blood to be spilled to release you of your sins was met when Jesus died on the cross? Then... What was needed to release healing in our lives was also provided when Jesus Christ, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. Peter looked back and said, with his stripes you were healed. It's a finished work. When you think about that and meditate upon it, I believe that can be your point of contact as I bring Shane and the worship team and whoever's going to come and accompany him today. I believe that every one of us have to have something in our heart, a promise, something that God has given us, something that we've seen in the Word of God as a point of contact or a point of release of our faith. She believed that if she touched his garment, she would be made whole. What about you? Do you have a point of contact in your heart that you know that this is that place, this is that means where the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross can be applied? 
You know, in our generation today, in our covenant generation that we have, and in the, even in the Pentecostal world, we're afraid to even preach on healing today. We're afraid to because we don't see everybody getting healed. And so for whatever reason, that call, not everybody's getting saved. But I'm going to still preach that Jesus died for them to be saved. Come on. The outcome, I'm not responsible for. I'm responsible to preach the truth. And you believe the word of God and trust the word of God. Faith, faith has to grab hold of something. And if you don't have a word or a promise, something that is held in your heart, that you believe in your heart, and that point of contact for you to release it. The point of contact for you may just be to audibly declare a promise. The point of contact for you may be to come forward in a moment's time, and we're going to anoint you with oil and lay hands on you and trust in God and believe God alongside of you. I don't know what yours is, but I just know that we all need something in our heart and our mind and in our spirit that we hold to. And you say, well, pastor, what if I don't see something immediate? That's irregardless. What's the scripture say? By whose stripes you were healed. Hold fast to your profession of faith without wavering. You come forward for prayer, then you trust God. Come on, somebody. Don't walk out in the foyer. Don't walk out in the foyer after coming to the front, being prayed for. Somebody says, well, how you doing? Well, I'm sick. Well, which is it? Are we whole or are we sick? Come on, somebody. Do y'all see where our mind is? We're trained to think carnally versus spiritually. We're going to have to reprogram the way we think and think like God thinks. Think his thoughts. The works that I do, Jesus said, shall you do also and greater works than these. We're going to pray today.